0: Welcome to the St. 14 Project Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Sentinel Dad. Uh, with me, as always, I have Average Joe 227, Hatchy Dave, and Dr. Goku. What's up, dudes? How are you all doing this week? Doing fine. How's everyone? What's up, dudes? Not much. Me, um, uh, the four of us, Sans, Joe, we hopped on a Potato Thumbs podcast last night, and that was a lot of fun.
1: Good yeah. dudes over there. Yeah, yeah really fun.
0: Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it's a little bit different than our format. so it's a little bit to, different. Good to uh, let the hair down. Yeah. oh yeah oh yeah I got a lot of cursing out. and
1: the transitions.
0: Oh no, my God the transitions I oh, poor Canuck show um,
1: <laughs> but
0: um we are not alone tonight. We have our buddy. Our buddy Matt, also known as Mylan Games, how are you doing, good. brother? Hello, how you mile.
2: going? I'm good, thank you. Been well. Thank you for having me on.
0: Well, absolutely. I know uh, we're all we're all super excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on, man. Super excited. Yeah, thanks. No problem.
2: I know. Th- I know the uh, the challenges of running a podcast, and <laughs> getting guests on. So <laughs> it's uh, always makes it uh, interesting <laughs> to have new people on the cast each week.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And plus, you. Uh, you live in the future, so working the time zones out, it <laughs> yeah. it's getting challenging. It's
2: not too bad, to be honest, between U.S. and and um, mm. Australia. The U.K. is the one that that's really tough. Well,
0: well, yeah. I mean, because you're, I think for me, I'm, I'm on the Eastern Seaboard, so I think you're about sixteen hours yeah. ahead of me. Um, but like, but like, you know, I, I have a good relationship um, with the old uh, U.K. Destiny Podcast, uh, Fireborne Radio, and I, I've been on, I've been on theirs probably four or five times. But I like they're only five hours ahead of me depending mm. on whatever whether it's british summertime yet or not but like it's that five hours is it's like a rough time to like schedule but like you know dealing with you know someone in um uh, oceana or something like that you know it's really just 16 hours ahead so it's really not that oh, bad uh, <laughs> it's afternoon or morning did you know you
2: see, uh, australia got a bit of exposure in the game informer article
0: no, I didn't. see You didn't
2: that. see the comment that the fallen scorn are like animals from Australia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in Australia, almost everything wants to kill you. Yeah, right? that
2: was well. The comment was, it's like if you trap the fallen in a in a cave or Australia, <laughs> that's they evolve <laughs> like animals of Australia or something to that effect. So there you go.
0: Oh, you must have been so yeah, proud. Right. Oh my god, it's fantastic! Um, but anyways, uh, Mylan, why don't you tell uh, for for the like seven people in the gaming community that don't know you? Why don't you tell them like who you are, what you do, and uh, what sure. you're all about?
2: Well, I started um, the YouTube channel uh, Mylan Games when Destiny, I almost said Destiny Two when Destiny One was released, um, and I actually. I think around that time it was The Last of Us. I think The Last of Us was like my first like test video on, on YouTube, and then um, I was sort of gearing up for, for Destiny to release, and uh, that were my some of my first sort of public YouTube videos, and it wasn't um, anything to do with law when it first came out. Um, the YouTube channel was. I'd actually just left a company that I, I, I work as an occup well I did work as an occupational therapist or clinically I worked as an occupational therapist, and um, had a really cool job where we, we made equipment for people with disabilities, and we ended up doing a lot of um, controllers, uh, a lot of custom like controllers and, and switchboards and stuff for uh, quadriplegics or or people that didn't have full hand function. Um, and the youtube sort of channel started sort of from that the initial sort of spark to make it was to sort of combine uh therapy and 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 gaming in in some form or another um and sort of like everyone who makes youtube channels i sort of discovered it's freaking way harder than you imagine when i didn't get (laughs) 1.1 million views on my very first video i was quite disheartened um <laughs> and and uh you know i obviously just fell in in, in love with 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 destiny and was doing all the the usual weapon videos guide videos raid guides fa- uh, i think some of my first stuff was like planet you know planet farming materials um, you know just all the spots to get like on on um mm-hmm. venus farming the what's it called the bloom can't even remember what it's called now. What's the spirit bloom? Spirit bloom.
1: Yep. I remember I had a run to, I had like a route to run. And as soon as you spawned in on Venus, you kind of head to yeah, the left. Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. the first yeah. area. You kind of had yeah, a big loop, like four or five caves yeah. to kind of do a loop yeah. there. And
2: so that, and then um, I think, you know, no, no one was really looking at the law at, at all. I, it, it was it was pretty much Sir, Sir mm-hmm. Wally or uh, Sir Wallen that was, was doing anything with it. Um, and I think my first series that I, I looked at was, um, the House of Wolves when they released the, which, which a lot of people miss, it's pretty much like the Books of Sorry for the Fallen or for the Reef Wars anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the Book of Merade or something like that or, um, basically a, a set of, um, lore cards and, uh, I did a Law video a day for a week or something to, to cover that entire sort of series and you know people really enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. it's been that's something that i've just basically doubled downed on since then that sort of sparked the 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 fallen um the 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 lore about fallen and and continuing a lore series and Mm i think um you know i had some success with looking at oryx just before the taken king and that's sort of um where a lot Mm -hmm. of traffic built up and you know, I've been doing little videos ever since.
0: Yeah, and you are also, um, you're also a podcaster. Why don't you tell us about uh, the podcast you have with a uh, 2 year Yeah, guys. so. I love your show so much. I was
2: approached by <laughs> <Such a guy. laughs> two other Australians, uh, Log Power Slave and, uh, and uh, Doreen Sloth, uh, to, to have a look at a podcast. Um, both are sort of co-owners, co-creators of, Uh, Terra Australis was one of the biggest Australian clans Um, and obviously Mm -hmm. like the the Australian side of content creation is really lacking Um, it's part to do with infrastructure it's part to do with our internet connection it's part to do with um, often being a full news cycle behind the US Uh, you know for Mm -hmm. me often stuff breaks at 2am in the morning uh, when Bungie releases things so there's a lot of things against content creators in in australia and uh this guy's approach they want to do a do a podcast and um i said yes <laughs> so we've got the destiny down under podcast <laughs> um which is uh australian jovial jovialness australian <laughs> attitude if to the i Mac. i've I, i've
0: been listening i've been listening to it since the first episode um but if anyone has never listened to you, it, you got gotta go to go back to you you no no no, no. you you got to go back and you got to find the episode from um, you got to find this little chestnut from 2017 and it is I, it's either the first or the second episode when you have our friend from the Ishtar Collective our uh, Purple Chimera on and Log and Purple have the lemonade debate and uh, I will, as an American, I will absolutely concede Kirk's Lemonade in Australia is the best lemonade you'll ever have in your life. But that episode is amazing. Right. <laughs> it is absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, Mylon, you, um, as well as our friend Anon Pig and uh, Beard Grizzly, you guys are the ones that really got me into the lore of Destiny, got me interested in it, thinking more about it. But the. Um, I love your videos. But if anyone watches log power log power slave does some really fun Twitter videos on the uh, lore of destiny as well which is <laughs> uh, another part right. of um, just a, a, yeah. f- a fun time I mean, the, the cool part about uh, <laughs> but, uh, that but no you,
2: podcast setup is um, well firstly I think when you watch the podcast you begin to see like hey when you watch a Marlin games video, there's a different tone there's a different voice i sound differently when i read from a script so you know i write all my scripts for my videos and i read from them um and my voice comes out differently when i do that and when i'm on a podcast i sound different again and talking more casually about the law um is really fun uh some people from the youtube stuff don't like that because because they've fallen into the Marlin games like this quote means this represent, you know, it's very structured. Whereas, you know, casually um, (laughs) you, you make mistakes and, and, and you, you put things, you know, in a form that's easier to understand for, for everyone. And obviously with those. Those dickheads, <laughs> Logan, Logan. So you got to put things a little bit simple, a little bit simples. Um. <laughs> but that's been fun, you know. I think um, it's a it's a really nice way to get into the law because they'll they'll have questions that every sort of community member has. But the, you know, after hanging around and talking so much stuff, they're becoming quite skilled at understanding Destiny's law now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because like um, when I started playing Destiny, I, I think with most people, I was kind of disappointed with the story. Yeah. So this was a D1 vanilla campaign, kind of just the non-linear structure mm-hmm. of it. Well, that was like a right passage to playing Destiny,
3: vanilla Destiny, was there was oh, no yeah. story and you had to dig.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was just later on, I think it was in like December, I st- stumbled on some... Uh, reddit posts of people kind of discussing some of the uh, uh, exotic weapons and some of the old uh, some of the grimoire cards and I started kind of delving into more of the lore stuff and this new kind of world of destiny just opened up
2: right and i think um it's interesting like going back and reflecting on destiny 1 lore and reflecting on what made it good and and you know not so good and it's it's funny how it was a bit of a diamond in the rough and that we didn't realize that it was actually really quite good um and we didn't realize the things that we wanted were not maybe exactly what we did want you know asking to have lore in the game and then you get lore tabs wasn't actually the right solution to that um and there was sort of miscommunication between that um and, you know that because I think a lot card. of
1: people wanted something like Mass Effect.
2: Yeah, and you know, like I'm I'm really interested, right? Because I I feel like now, the community is in a very different position than it was in Destiny One. I hmm. feel like, with you know the videos that I make, the videos that Beard makes, the videos that Bife makes, there is now an established sort of uh, procedure to understand the law, and that is you do have to put some work in, and you hmm. got to have to read. Uh, lord tabs you have to go um and and put different things together right and i think that's that's known now and it wasn't really known in destiny 1 now with destiny destiny 2 um it's interesting to see like we've got it in game for so destiny 2 now you've got these uh collectors right oh you've got the the what's it called it's not uh it's like a triumph book you know your collector's book Right, and you're gonna have your lore in there, and they've already mentioned that they're gonna have a number of um, Grimmal cards or, or Grimmal light cards, lore tabs, whatever you want, they're gonna go into your collection, right? So, the question then is I do think part of the magic of Destiny lore is piecing things together for yourself. So, how are they going to look in the collector's edition, right? If you had a book of sorrow and it just tells you in order. Do you lose some of the magic of putting it together yourself? And anyway, that's what I'll be looking out for. And I, I think that the community in a different position, mm-hmm. a different space, and different sort of uh, way of thinking now that we've had so much popularity with lore
1: as well. Because I think for me, uh, the Books of Sorrow was the, or one of the best pieces of lore mm-hmm. to be put in destiny. Mm-hmm. I agree. And kind of hunting all of those Calcified Fragments, finding out where they kind of fit in, and then kind of being able to read it in order uh, as a book just made the story of Oryx so much more interesting. I agree.
2: I actually think that there won't be any negatives for the standard or for the everyday Destiny player from having the collections. I think it'll be a great thing. Mm -hmm. I think most of the... um, Issues will be with uh, people that really enjoyed the process of piecing things together um, and potentially mm-hmm. content creators that make the law because, you know, the appeal for a YouTube channel is, hey, I've done all the work for you. I found all the relevant cards and i put mm-hmm. them together in a story. They're already together in a story. You don't really need a content creator anymore unless you just don't want to read, mm-hmm. which is the case for some people. Then <laughs> you just basically have someone narrating it mm-hmm. to you. So I don't know, it's going to be an interesting time when it comes mm-hmm. to, um, I think it's the right direction, um, but it's going to be an interesting time for content creators um, finding out what that collection tab looks
1: like. And I know with certain creators, they're kind of getting certain niches. I know uh, you had uh, a comic mm-hmm. uh, kind of come out and I know Eric's had a like a somewhat a small animation Mm -hmm. come out of like a year Mm -hmm. ago and just out of some of the grimoire cards and those were some of the best pieces of youtube content in the lore Mm -hmm. that i've seen
2: yeah i mean um yeah i think i made um made the first comic book in 2015 um with Mm -hmm. same 14 actually um defending defending the wall
0: how how Mm -hmm. fortuitous um
2: and i made up you know I, I, I see. I basically embedded a theory with how the Titans defended the Wall against so many fallen on on so many different sides. Um, and then you know we've we've had other comics released since then. We've made um, our own characters. So Gamma Trap and I have um, created Anon Fifty One, who essentially is an EXO that told the story of Destiny One. Uh, and he's going to. I love continue. that art piece. Thanks. It's really cool,
3: Ryan. That is. When you and Gamma got together, oh my God, it just really brought everything together with, some people really struggle. I'm one of those people that I can read a book cover to cover and not have a picture in my head. It's just words going through. But when somebody takes an image and takes those words and puts them together into an image and I can see that, Mm From then on, everything I read, I have that picture in my head. And, oh, my God, the work that you guys have done together has just brought in all the lore just into a different... It, it just brought into a whole new respect. Mm. I mean, it just is wonderful what you guys are doing and that character you guys made that art piece alone was just jaw dropping and i really loved hearing that that's going to continue yeah i'm very excited yeah. for
2: all that yeah. stuff it, it took i think over three months to to put something like that um together you know we we also got like a voice actor in we actually hired a voice actor from the community too um so i went through 200 plus auditions <laughs> for oh my for god. for Annan Fifty One, um, we gave them a couple of lines to read, um, and uh, uh, you know a character bio and, and who Annan was going to be, and, and a little bit about his story and, and how the comic would pan out. Um, it was yeah, and that was all. I think that that was all in the lead up to um, to Destiny Two, and it was all uh, for the sake of retelling Destiny One in a succinct fashion, essentially. Uh, to catch people up in an in entertaining comic book, basically.
1: Well, it worked. Thanks. It worked. Good. Good. It was very entertaining. Awesome. So, with the lore in terms of comics, what are your thoughts on the Bungie comics that they're releasing in terms of their adding on to yeah. lore?
2: I think they're definitely getting better. Obviously, I think there were there were definitely mm. criticisms with some of the first ones that that came through. Yeah, with the Osiris yeah, ones. Yeah, I think. But I think that was probably more than just the comic books. That was probably the more or the general direction of of ch- dramatically changing sort of character profiles. I guess um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. On that note, though, like I, I feel like the law community, particularly in Destiny Two, or, or more recently, like around Warmind and and post Curse of Osiris, I think I've taken mm-hmm. a very sort of polar approach to it, like either things are right or wrong, and I definitely know that that's not how the law is written, it's not written with that kind of, um, some things are, but like, it's not like, that's definitely right, and that's definitely wrong, there are some things that I think need to be considered as like, gospel, or like, truths, um, and that shouldn't be broken, but there's lots of things that can be broken, or can be banned. And I feel like um, there's been a, a bit more of a push to like oh that's wrong well, that's right you know and I think Anna Bray is a good example of that too you know the outrage with with her you know coming back in war mind and even me you know I lost a bet to buy from that because I was like there's no way she's coming back because she's meant to be dead but then you know then there was a comic book that explained that death so it's like well there was so much outrage about going no this is wrong this is right but there was an explanation for it in the end. And I think that's how a lot of the law should be treated. That if we don't have the answer, like it's not that it's wrong or right; it's just we don't have the right answer yet.
1: It's mm-hmm. like um, yeah. one person's retelling or uh, the way they perceived a specific specific yes, event. Yes, exactly,
2: exactly. There's a there's a lot to uh, a lot to be gained by understanding who's telling that story and the perspective of that, and if they have any other motives for for saying it in a certain way, right? Um, and I think the comic book. The most recent one obviously did a good job in in sort of going back and explaining anna bray sort of returning um i i still think that that destiny's best storytelling is in puzzle pieces is in grimoire cards and delivering that to players and and giving them a ways of putting them together and and helping them through that i mean one of the things that i really want to see is i would love some sort of mass effect narration to it you know i I would also mm-hmm. like to
1: give like a voice acting in-game. yeah like
2: my my dream would be that
1: like our characters speaking?
2: no no here. i think I think that would be the hard part is who you would get to narrate it um but it probably wouldn't be a character um but more of an a i system of some sort, but I would like mm-hmm. to be able to go into say collections and go, you know, if I'm playing solo select from mm. from you know 100 grimoire cards go oh which one's having a red then and like just tick them and then let them play right and like play mm. play like you a, know what? that
3: would
1: be i stri- try and just
2: listen to it right
1: yeah, yeah. um like you mentioned that you could do that in mass effect mm. it's like tick one of the the lower entries and just continue on with what you're doing yeah. in the uh, the citadel because
2: to be honest, like, even for a massive law nerd that I am, I, I don't I, I don't think I've ever read a law tab in-game. Like, when I'm in-game, I want to be playing. So so how do you tackle that? You know, I'm, there are people that do it, and I think it needs to be in-game and it needs to be out of game, but there's lots of people that read law, like when Destiny 1 was on Bungie.net, and everyone's complaining it needs to be in-game. Well, they didn't realize how much... They read it at work, on lunch breaks, uh, like, you know, on the train, Uh you know, the uh, when they get bored of doing whatever they're doing at work, read a couple cards, and, you know, I think that's a really good way of engaging players as well.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's just, it's, you know, you could, it's very similar to, you know, they're a partial the lord, like you were just saying that there's, there's no finite answer, per se, you know, with that there's well, we, we we want the lore in game. You know, we also enjoy just playing the game when we're playing it, and we mm-hmm. like reading it on yep. our off time, reading it on yep. our lunch break, reading it after the kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason uh, we yeah, can't. Yeah, I think both. so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, totally like you mentioned, agree both
1: totally. That's that's the right that, answer. Both. I think that's you what know? they want. Is say keep the cards on Bungie.net, but have them in a codex in game. And yes. some people mentioned that. That you can see some of the cards while you're loading into a planet or something. Yeah, but they really cut down on the lore tabs and lore in.
2: It was very D2 absent. Vanilla. It was very absent, and Curse of Osiris I'm was surprisingly absent. Uh, yeah, yeah, because
1: Osiris was one of my favorite characters in the lore. Oh, there so many. He was just that character nobody saw. So he was so powerful, and then. Geez, almost not use them mm. in mm. in curse of osiris Man. was kind of disappointing mm. oh yeah
4: when did the uh lord cards for uh amanda Holiday talking about uh beefing up those uh sparrows came out was that in a uh, curse of osiris mm,
2: not too sure
4: and those were my those are like my favorite cards yeah. in d2 it's just her talking to like some uh sparrow racing guys about I know what you're talking putting about. Putting like rockets yeah. and so yeah, they're like oh, hilarious yeah. and they're so good. And, like I think there's two cars that explain yeah. like what she's trying to do to this thing, and she's like telling them like, "You're gonna blow yourself up, but I'll do <laughs> it for great. you." And it's just <laughs> the way it's told. is like just trying to remember when that came. I love out. that character. Right. Oh, but in terms of so favorite
1: good. lore, what is your favorite piece of lore? Oh, I D1 love D1 this D2? question. Oh. I love asking uh, people this
2: um, question. There are there are a couple of moments that really stand out in my mind. Uh, one is Toland, um, and specifically when mm-hmm. he is talking about meeting a death singer and and learning the song, mm-hmm. and he's sort of just totally yeah.
1: some meaty mediator- eerie, yeah,
2: right. And he learns the quiddity of death or something <laughs> like. We had a tet- a tet- mm-hmm. uh Tete Ute doesn't he say rather than a tete a tete little a little conversation with the Death Singer, and she told me the Death Singer's mm-hmm. base which which you know is the beginning of him crossing over into the Hive Overworld. So that's a that's definitely up there.
3: Um, now go. On. I want I want while you're on Toland, mm. I just wanted to ask. There was a piece of lore saying that during our battle in the fight with Oryx in the King's Fall raid. Mm-hmm. Tolan was watching that from somewhere, wasn't he? Like he watched that fight.
1: Wasn't there? I thought there was. Wasn't a piece of there? The war.
2: No. Wasn't it narration? Wasn't it a male voice narrating like early trailers of Taken King?
1: Was it? I to think so. Yeah.
2: I think I think okay. that was the link to Toland. Tolan does actually speak in Shranovarix mission. One of the missions we actually mm-hmm. hear Tolan's voice. Yeah. I, I can't. remember. Is it Shranovarix? Yeah, Auric's? it was Maybe a, something yeah. like that.
4: Um. Yeah. When the girl said. About the parties, like
2: yeah. Yeah. parties, yeah, exactly, yeah, right. We be fun at parties. Toland watching That's that, right. so he look for all my understanding of Toland is he's the man on the inside, basically passing um, knowledge to us about the hive. And the cool thing about that is they've sort of um, played up the uh, if you had a you know double agent, if you had like a spy you know, with a terrorist group, they start to take on some of those cultures and values and it's really hard to distinguish whether they're still on the good side, right? And that's sort of how I consider Toland, you know. He starts talking and sort of admiring the Hive and the Hive way and the sword logic and, you know, post-killing Oryx. It's like, well, there's a... You know, you see this progression in these messages. There's a vacancy now. and You've got to fill it. You've got to replace the god.
1: He was angry with us that we didn't take... Oryx's yeah. seat but I was under the, the impression uh, if I remember correctly while reading it that Toland uh, was kind of the orb that was kind of uh, showing us the way through the uh, Oryx there was a theory
2: chain. about that Yep, there was a theory that he was yeah. that that could have sort of been him I, 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 ne- I never covered it so I'm not too sure what you know how people arrived to that conclusion if it was just sort of from Toland's mm-hmm. messages or if there was something sort of else but yeah I, I did hear that yeah awesome so dolan. yeah so dolan was, was one of my favorite I mean, uh, particularly that conversation i think that was one of my favorite too. bits of law and the other ones is is when i first started getting into law and, and i read about the vex researchers um the mm-hmm. other oh, with yeah, it with, with war work with the simulation I mean. basically and and like um mm-hmm. that that moment when they realize that it's simulating them and like I think it's Dwayne or something says, Oh, what does that matter? And he's like, you idiot. If they're simulating us, how do we know? We know we're not in a simulation. Um, so that, that was a mm-hmm. cool moment. Um, dun, dun, dun. Rasputin, uh, Rasputin <laughs> potentially, well, I mean, come on Rasputin shooting down the traveler or the cards that, that sort of imply that, that Rasputin crippled the traveler, I think was a big sort of pivotal moment for me as well. Um, and Touch of Malice, I love. I love the exotic quest, Touch of Malice. Oh I love God, that. Yes. Obviously, the Books of Sorrow, right? Like, the book, like I, I put the Books of Sorrow in the Touch of Malice quest line because I feel like the Touch of Malice is is the capstone on the Books of Sorrow. That's how the, the book ends, basically. It's like um, you understand the hive, you understand their perspective, you understand what Oryx did to survive, and now we have a choice. You know, Eris even says, like, they had a choice, now we do too. What do you want to do? Oh, let's build Touch of Malice, the most like you know, devastating weapon, <laughs> and go kill stuff. Oh, well, you didn't make a choice, <laughs> you know. We're just as bad as RX, essentially.
3: It's all right, we'll get Touch of Malice awesome. back in uh, Forsaken when we beat Oris as
1: the uh, raid boss.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well,
1: there was awesome, something awesome. Uh, mentioned by Joe Blackburn saying the raid boss is a she. Yeah. You guys yeah, catch that, that tweet? Oh, yeah. I tagged Aunt Anon
3: on that this morning. I think I woke him up. With it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It's kind of reinvigorating my theory of I'm hoping it's Oh <laughs> uh,
4: There's
1: a lot of theories.
4: So, yes. Matt, what about that theory that uh, the queen is Sabbathoon? Yeah, like, I saw someone message
2: me. Was that you that messaged me this morning? Or was it someone else?
4: No, no, um, it wasn't me. I, just, I heard this, like, a year ago. Like, somebody was putting that together on uh, Reddit. I didn't hear that. And I went and read about it. I, I'm kind of buying it. Especially now that we're... It's an interesting theory, into. for sure. So,
2: I've never, I've never read yeah. the theory. Um, but I guess my thoughts on it would be... You know, we don't really know the origins of the Awoken. Um, they were sort of created post-collapse. We do know that mm-hmm. the Hive were in the area when that was happening, right? They were sort of poised to attack as well. So they're the hive are there. We don't know how they work are working. were created. We know that Savathun left Oryx early on. We know that she's cunning and trickery are two major sort of traits. Um, but I, you know, if that was the case, you know, the queen definitely made a decision to save the city during the reef wars. And you'd probably have to ask if she was Savathun, why bother save the city at that point? Because we were about to be annihilated by the house of wolves. So there would have to be an explanation probably for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those two characters are so good as characters, I'd be surprised for them to be combined Um, because, you know, they're whole storylines that you can explore. So I think it would um, be a waste to from a narrative point of view to sort of combine them because I think they can both be explored very well in the future. Um, so yeah i I don't know, I haven't read the exact theory. I, I don't think anything's impossible, but I think it's probably improbable <laughs> at the moment
4: well I can't, I can't back this up, but what if she saved us because she needed us to kill Or? That's uh, a really Orcs. good point
2: yeah that's a really good and point and that was that's, a that's really the
4: plan point. everything is going according to plan now she can come back and then kill us because she hey, doesn't like need that. us anymore
2: that would be a really good reason there's also there's um I use that same line of reasoning in something else which is the Vex right like the Vex basically needed us to kill Oryx the Vex were, the Vex were one of the few enemies yeah. that they couldn't get rid of Oryx right that was sort of locked in battle with Oryx and Oryx is sort of taking powers as something that they couldn't overcome so if you're sort of the same blood and reasoning is like why you know the Vexel Tommy Wimey in time travel why don't they just delete us while well, they sort of needed us for a very long period of time to, to defeat Oryx
1: almost feels like our our guardians are being used a lot I think so
2: if you look if you look at um you know, the, the the big overarching sort of question about Destiny is, are we just mindless soldiers in a cosmic war between light and dark? That's a big, for me, that's a big overarching question about Destiny. The big sort of finale.
1: Are we on the right side? And I actually uh, talked about that on uh, one of the spots I made on Destiny Lorecast, I think it was a couple of years ago, in terms of talking about how our guardians are born with uh, a tabula rasa, so we got that blank slate, mm-hmm. and we see our ghost. We don't know what's going on. Our ghost is saying, "All right, you got to do this." We just follow what our ghost mm-hmm. says, and then we meet the speaker, and the speaker says, "All right, this is what you got to do," and we just follow along with the orders, on Allah Stanley Milgram, and how how that experiment went.
2: Yeah, exactly and um i've always had you know i think that's that's the best sort of thing that supports that whole mindless soldiers is like hey why why are we created without memory (laughs) you know why why do we have that going on um yeah i agree
0: awesome well i know we could all sit here and talk lore oh Oh, yeah we could do it all night long but let's uh let's move along we um we're gonna. We got some fun stuff. Yeah, we, we got to. some fun stuff uh, for Dave. Who are who's our mental health organization shout out this week?
4: Uh, this week, uh, I wanted to talk about checkpoint org. Uh, they're an organization from uh, actually from the land down under, same as Matt. Uh, so I guess tonight is our uh, Australian episode. Um, so their mission statement. It's a uh, tackling mental health issues with the power of video games and uh they are a nonprofit organization and uh they're in you know if you check out their website they got links to mental health resources and they provide a support community called gamermates which they provide discord and uh steam so everybody can join up and uh they have a lot of resources for everybody and they, uh, it's a like-minded community of mental health, mental health awareness for everybody to like get together and play together in a, that kind of environment. Um, also like my favorite part about them is that, uh, they have a YouTube channel and it's called the checkpoint series. And, uh, it's a, it's a set of docu-series covering a variety of mental health uh, topics like depression, anxiety, and a lot more. <clears throat> they're all like short, like 10, 15-minute episodes. Uh, you can go watch them and uh, you, you know, subscribe because uh, they got a lot of information in there. Um, uh, I've watched about three of them so far. They're supposed to be posted about 20 of them this year, and uh, they're really well done. Uh, they, they get into it. You know what I mean. They break it down for everything, and it's all gaming related. Also, so they kind of mix it up in there. Um,
0: yeah, they're um. You, I I've been in their, their Discord for the better part of um of uh, t- today, and they're they're very very down earth people. Um, they're very. I find a lot of similarities to them in our, uh, our our Discord as well. Very uh, very reachable, very approachable.
4: Yep. You can find their website at checkpoint.org.au, and the YouTube channel is a Checkpoint organization. Uh, go check them out. It seems like really cool people. They have a lot of information about mental health, and they cater to gamers. So.
2: Awesome.
4: Can't ask for awesome. anything else. Awesome.
1: So our mental health topic this week is... Uh, Since we have you on the show, Mylon, and uh, like you mentioned, you are a occupational Mm -hmm. therapist. So we're going to be talking about how occupational therapists have an impact in the mental health team. So first off, could you tell us what is an occupational therapist for some of the people that may not know exactly what a occupational therapist is?
2: Um, What I like to do, right, is I I like to do like the, um, we call it the barbecue talk. Do you, like um, which is like how you would explain your door if you were having a barbecue. You have barbecues, right? Yeah, you do barbecue. You know what I'm talking about when I say barbecue, like you know, sausage sizzle sort of deal, like yeah. back, backyard barbecue, right? <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Three of us are
2: Americans. We know what a barbecue right? is. Just
1: frying stuff. <laughs> hey, we still have, we have c- Canadian barbecues too. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, s- a barbecue is like pancakes and maple syrup, except for the like, meat and barbecue sauce. <laughs> for that actually that sounds, sounds pretty, pretty good, good. <laughs> um,
2: so what yeah. I encourage people to do is like think about um, how they define themselves through occupation and that, that's probably more a western society thing you know when you go to a party people go oh, what do you do right that's what we say here what, what do you do or what do you do for a living or um, you know it's often like a first question that people ask you um, if you're meeting someone the first mm-hmm. time and it can be quite distressing if you don't have something to say and this is when i say occupation i don't mean um only paid occupation it can be anything it can be um the a sport that you play it can be a pastime a hobby um or it could be paid occupation so we often define ourselves through what we do each and every day and and outside of you know taking care of yourself you know (laughs) making food and and getting up in the morning getting dressed and all those sort of everyday things there's lots of other uh, areas that we define ourselves through and uh, occupation occupational therapy looks looks closely at that and so um, particularly with you know acquiring a disability or being born with a disability so for me you know I define myself as a PhD student uh, a YouTuber And I look at all those skills that are required to do that. You know, if, if I got, you know, throat cancer, throat and mouth cancer from having too many festive cigars at weddings, right? Um, How would that impact my occupation? Well, it would dramatically impact my occupation as a YouTuber. Imagine if they got rid of my voice, (laughs) and my voice changed. Um, Mm -hmm. And occupational therapy looks at how we can get people back to fulfilling those roles. Um, ways around it mm-hmm. ways of fixing it um, because if i lost that role as a youtuber i would probably become quite distressed and upset it would affect me both probably physically and mentally mm-hmm. um, and having someone to guide them back to that role is what occupational therapy is all about so it crosses a lot of different areas but that's sort of the crux of it is how would you define yourself through occupation? Um, And if something happened to you that would prevent you from doing that occupation, how would you get back to it? And that's probably when a therapist would help if you can't do that.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, That's a really good definition because as a, a resident in psychology, I see a lot of clients that have gone through that change where they were defining themselves throughout their occupation it's the hello my name is i do this and then they suffer an accident they mm. suffer uh some sort of uh event where they're no longer able to meet that ideal or perception of who they were anymore and, more. and they, it creates this imbalance of i used to be mm-hmm. this now i am this And they go through anxiety, depression, and they need to redefine themselves. And
2: something that that nearly everyone, most people will experience in their life, um, if you're lucky to get through life with not experiencing some sort of health condition, is retirement. And retirement is exactly what was sort of the problem we're talking about. People define themselves as doing X thing for nearly their entire life, and they get to retirement, and they leave work, and they're like... Who the fuck am I? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Who do I, what, are, what things do I do now? And, and um, you don't realize that a lot of your enjoyment comes from achieving in that occupational space. I get a lot of enjoyment from uploading a YouTube video and people watching it and enjoying it. And you take that away and I'm like, well, where do I get my enjoyment from now? Um, where do I get my happiness from now? Um, and you don't realize how important that can be until... You don't have it, or for some people, <laughs> until they retire um, and realize that a lot of their uh, their you know uh, self worth came from the job they were doing.
1: Awesome, and as a occupational therapist, uh, they're a valued part of the multidisciplinary treatment mm-hmm. teams. So not a lot of people are aware of how important these teams are in the mental health field. A lot of people have the perception of they see a therapist, and that's the only person that's there. Uh, not every uh, person will need a multidisciplinary team, but some people yep. do. And that's the inclusion of the psychologist, a psychiatrist, their medical mm-hmm. doctor. It can be a nurse, a uh, occupational mm-hmm. therapist. So what's your opinion on the OT's role on that That's team? a good
2: question. Look, I think to let people know that uh, mental health isn't my area of specialty, although I am interested in it. Um, We do go through training in that area, but my um, sort of clinical experience anyway, um, which is about seven or so years working as a, as occupational therapist is mainly in physical areas and in um, sort of our major hospitals here in Australia. But I think, um, you know, that part of that team with, with like mental health and occupational therapy is about coming back to um, that, how they define themselves, that identity and that role um, and making sure that that team is all sort of working towards that. Most of the issues that I sort of encountered was that I worked in a medical setting and that wasn't very valued. So a lot of things that I were doing were sort of advocating for the power of, of this occupational role and that, um, fixing, fixing a, 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 deficit or, um, you know, having medication for a certain thing doesn't necessarily mean you've improved health. Um, you know, a, a typical medical practitioner would be like, Oh, once you clear the infection, you know, time to get home. Well, <laughs> they're,
1: they're, they're the traditional medical right. model. <laughs> uh,
2: and so often, uh, OTs are, are sort of trying to, present another way i think though in mental health it's it's probably i don't know what your experience is i think it's probably less of that maybe or is it still like that i don't know if if it's a lot of advocacy for for doing that or not
1: well my experience in terms of a a medical setting i did a, a practicum in a hospital and i worked in a hospital setting for quite some time uh, but that's not necessarily where my uh, my experience really lies. But I, I was part of multiple uh, multidisciplinary teams where it was the psychologists, the medical doctor, the psychiatrist. And having uh, OTs there was very beneficial in terms of saying, well, this person is having a hard time because they were the person that was more on the front lines yep. than we were they were the therapist that was there on a daily basis being able to evaluate through cognitive functioning being able to see kind of the the daily progresses or the difficulties that yeah, they were having yeah.
2: i mean one of the things that i think uh, ot's are quite skilled at is uh, assessing the ho- whole situation or a holistic approach where we would consider lots of different things impacting health uh, from their environment so you know we would look at not only physical environmental factors, but you know, family, social, uh, <laughs> employment, anything else mm-hmm. that would contribute to your health, and then your physical side of things, and all your physical assessments for that as well. And then you want to obviously do like an occupational assessment and looking at well, you know, what changes you're going through, with what role or identity you would normally have, and where can we go, and what does that solution look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so different offshoots of OT focus on different specialties. You know, one of the things that I did a lot of was mm-hmm. was home visiting and, and modifying people's homes to live at home. Um, and so I looked at the tasks they needed to complete at home and what would assist them to do that. And so I did um, a lot of sort of working with carpenters and that to, to make sure people could live safely at home and complete those roles. But, you know, mental health mm-hmm. for me really is a the, is the power of occupation and the area that i'm interested in is gaming and so when people define themselves as gamers and people um, find social networks through gaming as well
1: and on that front uh, something i saw with this year's e3 uh, microsoft was making a very big push in terms of their new controllers I don't know if you saw kind of that in terms of the new ergonomic controllers for people with different disabilities. Interesting. I think I heard a little yes, bit about I that, but that. I
0: didn't.
2: Um, like, I haven't actually seen the product, but I would be interested in looking at that.
3: It's very similar to what uh, Able Gamer does for uh, people currently. Uh, they just came out with their own uh, official brand of. Assisted controllers. Yeah. I think the previous month's Game Informer actually had a nice write-up about it. Nice, nice.
2: You know, I mean, so like, um, what when I looked at say designing um, controllers, right? They were very individual based. So you sort of emphasise what I did mm-hmm. as an OT for a specific client was uh, I had a, a, a young guy um, who was eighteen, uh, actually less than eighteen. I think he was 17 or 16. um, Attempted a a backflip on his uh, BMX bike and broke his neck um, and was a quadriplegic from that. And, you know, the two things that he defined himself as was riding bikes and playing Xbox. And obviously as a quadriplegic, both of those become pretty hard as a young man. But one of the things likely that he did keep is he did keep a very small portion of upper limb function, which was... um, Basically, wrist extension. So, you grab your wrist and you basically pull your wrist back. That's all he could do. So, he couldn't use any of his fingers, but he could, could, could move his wrist back. So, you know, we, as an OT, working out that function, we, we created a controller that all you would need to do is to pull your wrist back. And what, what controller does that look like and how does that look? And so, we engineered a solution for that. Turns out that the best solution for that is basically like an arcade setup. If you have an arcade setup, big buttons, big control sticks. Basically, all you need is wrist extension to, to do something like that. So we we made a um, an arcade plug-in for his Xbox, um, and he was able to play Street Fighter. And to the point where um, his best friend he used to play with would take the, his the custom controller off him because he said it was cheating. And that for us is the best <laughs> the best outcome when the, when the, when it's considered you know <laughs> cool or, or better than the
0: standard solution. Oh. Oh yeah, on the um, on the way down to GuardianCon last year, I went with the guys from StackUp.org. But before we went to Tampa, we spent a day in Jacksonville. We did like a, um, a game night for the veterans at uh, Wounded Warrior uh, at their complex. And one of the guys he streams for StackUp. His name, uh, his Twitch name is mm-hmm. Quad Capable, Twitch.tv/slash Quad Capable. And he is a complete quadriplegic. Uh, he got a, a special uh, a special mouthpiece. Uh, I think it was through through able gaming and um, like it's just all the mouthpiece and like we he was like live streaming during the event there like w- we had brought in a bunch of like Xbox ones and um, a couple oculus stations and we, so we, we just did like a little impromptu stream and I saw him there playing multiplayer on uh, doom of all things and like he was straight up pub stomping these guys in multiplayer like wow. he, was, he was his KD was like 5.0 like he was murdering all of them and i see him play uh play PUBG i see him play all this other stuff and like he is phenomenal but it's um, it's quite a tremendous sight seeing uh someone who's afflicted in that way something that really brought them joy before an event such as an accident or military service whatever it is and then after it you know going through therapy physical and mental um and then you know being able to continue this passion just in a different way and uh almost and and by all by his accounts better than he did with (laughs) not being completely paralyzed so hmm. um that's awesome really (laughs) like drives home sort of the
2: point because i I think for uh, a lot of people share like you know Becoming a quadriplegic is is one of the sort of greatest fears of of, of a disability. And the reason for that, when you think about it, is because it would limit so many things you get enjoyment from, right? Like it it would affect everything. and um, But if you think about that scenario, like, well, if I could still play games as good or better than before, that's going to be a real sort of
1: lifesaver, so to speak, with it's gonna help in terms of your mental health it will help kind of stave off some of the symptoms of depression and just your your whole exist existential crisis about who you are exactly perfect guys.
2: i hope hope some of the fans learn a bit bit about uh, occupational therapy
0: (laughs) awesome awesome Uh, well thank you so much um we Now, with um, every week, uh, we do a, um, a, a gaming character analysis, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we do a Twitter poll, and this week, you provided our, um, our options, and of course, they are Destiny-themed, mm-hmm. and so we had uh, Prince Ultron, Zavala, Queen Marisov, and Ikora uh, were the options, and um, out of 40 votes, uh, big shocker, Prince Ultron mm-hmm. won. Um, He's in the new <laughs> hot team, right but, 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 but but no, <laughs> shut up, Dave. <dude>. Um, <laughs> but uh, but to be fair, like the the queen almost won too. Um, uh, but I, you know, my favorite piece of lore is the the reef wars, and I love the lore of the the reef, and I love Petra and the queen and everything. But um, uh, Goku and, and Goku and Matt, why don't you guys uh, go ahead and take us through uh, your analysis of Prince Oak?
1: Sure, because a lot of the information I have on Aldrin, because it's pretty scarce mm. in terms of kind of the lore of Aldrin, we don't have much. In the grimoire, yeah. on who he is, uh, was from your yeah. Your luckily, video. I just sort of so, <laughs> I just
2: summarized Aldrin recently. I had gone through a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, lore.
1: Yeah, so I saw that. I was going, well, thank you. you. You kind of made my job yeah. a lot yeah. easier. That was today. Which,
0: which he did specifically <laughs> <right>. for this <laughs> podcast. I
1: have no idea. <laughs> But one of the things you mentioned was kind of the latest thing that was found in the Telesto right. grimoire card. Yeah. Yeah, the Crow Untrustworthy will uh-huh. betray us. From
2: uh, Paladin Kamala Reor. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. is interesting because I think, I'm pretty sure it's from Cambala to Pet Revenge. So obviously the implication is hidden message in the Telesto grimoire card. Yeah. Um, a very, very sneaky message. And it, it was something that had always bothered me, that car, because I didn't understand it. And it just seemed so odd. And in hindsight, the reason why it felt so mm. odd, it and didn't, it didn't fit. fit. It didn't fit at all. Um, the reason why I was so <laughs> so awkwardly shaved for the law was because if you take the first letter of each word, it, it spelled out, Crow, untrustworthy, will betray us. Um, so obviously, Paladin Kamala Rior. Knows that Aldrin wants to betray us. And the paladins are interesting because a whole bunch of them got wiped out in. The, in Reforce? Reforce? I, I, I can't remember now. I'm pretty sure Reforce. Yeah. Yes. A whole bunch of them got wiped out, but there are still some left. Nearly all of them are female. I believe there might be one male paladin, uh, Hallam Fan, potentially. But I can't remember if he died or not.
1: Um, But. Well, because the, the Awoken are a matriarchal right. society, so most people there yes. are female.
2: Yeah, which we don't really know why. We don't, I, I, whether there was a... Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we, I'm not too sure why it's a matriarchal society and why there's more females than males. We, but I think that's important for Prince Aldra's sort of character profile too. Does,
4: does that mean that there's mostly females or that females are in uh, positions of uh, power uh, yeah yeah both so so there's still more well from from what
2: we've seen on the reef there is you know most of the vendors and the people walking around are female right i don't think we've seen any male npcs other than aldrin
1: that he's the only only male reef awoken but
4: yeah i'm the only reason I say this is because in the Reef where we go, uh, there's a lot of guards, which I would think it would be women mm-hmm. in, in, in positions, you know, because it's a powerful position. There's uh, Petra, uh, Varix. I don't know if uh, the Fallen have gender, but uh, mm-hmm. there's Variks and uh, Os- the Osiris, dude. Uh, brother Vance. Osiris. Yeah, Brother Vance. And I think that's about all the mm-hmm. people we deal with, except for... Mm-hmm. Oh, what was his name? Uh, you know, the the guy that Zer- came every week from Zer- the nine. I forgot his name. Zer- Sir, escaping me. Sir, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think that's just the the queen opening up the reef to uh, the mm. city.
4: So, I, I'm thinking that when we go to like the actual um, reef area, like mm-hmm. behind the entrance, kind of. I feel like that's where we were. We were like at the entrance. So there was a big door behind it and whatnot mm-hmm. that we couldn't go in. So once we get past that, that's probably like a portal or something. We get to like where the dreaming city and all that stuff is, and there's probably gonna be, not more males, but like probably it's gonna be more even. Because mm-hmm. uh, the only thing
1: that we saw was pretty much the hangar of the reef.
4: Yeah, yeah. I like stay home, males. <laughs> we'll be interested because
2: because like, the only I guess mm-hmm. I didn't really thought about this, but there must be enough males to reproduce because mm-hmm. the. The, the awoken were created in the collapse and there's always this big thing between reef born awoken and earth born awoken or or mm. awoken that abandoned the reef to go back to earth so i assume there's new awoken being born on the reef i assume that anyway but i don't know yeah I'm yeah
1: reproducing but that's one one thing in terms of aldrin's character profile he looks down on Reef, uh, non-reef born awoken or awoken that yeah. leave the reef. Yeah. He sees himself uh, as a superior yes. race, the reef born, or superior than any any all other uh, yes. awoken. And he he looks down on other races, but he's not yes. a guardian. Yeah,
2: definitely. So,
0: well, he didn't. What w- wasn't he part of the? Um- the I I guess we're to assume it, but wasn't he part of the um, population that looked down on Petra when she got recalled from the uh from, from the tower?
2: Mm-hmm. That was um. I looked back into that because I didn't really understand Petra's sort of um, uh, removal from either the Queen's Guard or as a Paladin to the emissary. She had, like wiped out a whole bunch of. Guardians by accident. Essentially, she called him like an airstrike, (laughs) like and and it was Prince Aldrin though, and it was actually Prince Aldrin's the the exact words is Prince Aldrin's fighter wing. Now it was either Prince Aldrin in a fighter plane or a a, you know a fighter wing, as in it being uh, a a single thing that Prince
1: Aldrin. That dolphin, that dolphin ship, or
2: or it was. Prince Aldrin's fighter wing and I when I initially read it I thought oh Prince Aldrin has like a a, a division a wing of fighter planes right mm-hmm. of, of fighter ships um mm-hmm. and that's what did the bombing run
1: but um because we kind of see that in the opening cutscene to Taken King
4: yeah he has like a squad yeah wing.
1: okay so I actually took that out of the recent video
2: <laughs> I actually wrote that in and I was like oh okay. maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's Prince Aldrin's like Personal fighter wing, not Prince Aldrin's like fighter wing division, if that makes sense. But anyway, Petravenge was the one that that did the command, and with killing of the guardians, that's what sort of kicked up a lot of trouble with the with the um, with the city, and that's why Petravenge was um, exiled, not exiled, but was put in a position of a emissary rather than being on the front lines.
1: So Aldrin, like I had mentioned, we don't have a lot of information on him. But one of the things that we know uh, is necessarily from uh, Destiny 1, he's the master Mm -hmm. of the crows. And there's kind of two interpretations of what I've been hearing of how we define the crows. So either a mechanical Mm -hmm. bird or kind of a a woken spy spy field agent. Uh, But the mechanical bird can kind of make that role yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. I think, um, and it's interesting, the, 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 interesting about the crows and their obedience and who they're obedient to, um, and who they obey because there's definitely scenes where they sort of favor the, the queen. And there's, you know, other scenes where it's like, well, you mm-hmm. obey me because I'm the must of crows. So I'm interested to see what happens with the crows in, mm-hmm. in Forsaken.
1: So as much as, um, aldrin and mara kind of have this dependent relationship almost as he really despises his sister he loves her but he almost despises her power it's interesting like
2: uh the original prince aldrin card talks about how he often disagrees with his sister and we don't Mm -hmm. know whether that's because and we don't know whether the queen like that because you know give the difference of opinion or whether she's just sort of Mm -hmm. keeping him close so he doesn't (laughs) try to cap her Mm -hmm.
1: and with aldrin um he the crows were the people that kind of brought varix well the varix's message to the queen uh kind of bringing bringing him in uh they broke the house of Wolves encryption mm-hmm. that gave the awoken uh, the trajectory so they could uh kind of win the battle during the yeah. reef wars the yeah.
2: so crows did a lot of really powerful things <clears throat> during the reef wars and really highlight how well they function in like an espionage spiral essentially you know they, they 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 glimpse a little bit of information such as you know we worked out that the the fallen have miscalculated the trajectory of an asteroid and then we we're gonna like absolutely leverage that bit of knowledge to our best of ability so they ended up chasing you know a whole fallen fleet into the asteroid and the asteroid they didn't know was gonna fly in that path to end up wiping them out so it, it it's uh, a good reflection of Likely Aldrin's cunningness um,
1: coming for Sagan, mm-hmm. and his cunning is something I'm going to touch on a little bit later. But I wanted to mention the similarity he has to Eris and kind of the affinity he has. Does I remember he had a couple mm, meetings yeah, with Eris, he, and they they were almost like kindred spirits.
2: Yeah, his tone is a little bit different early on in Destiny One. There's definitely a. a uh, some mm-hmm. differences with how he speaks, um, particularly with Eris. You know, Eris mentioned she doesn't have a ghost and he's like, me neither. Um, so there's a l- little bit of, I wouldn't say bond, but obviously mm. a, a common thread between the two characters. And um, he mm. also meets, oh, I'm pretty sure he meets with Eris in secret as well. Um, I can't mm. remember the content of that card though, but he does meet with her on a couple of different occasions. And, and Eris is with Osiris warning them of, oryx coming so mm-hmm. i don't think we'll see much to do with eris though in forsaken maybe i don't know i don't i don't think i don't think they'll they'll uh flesh that out eris and and aldrin i think eris is too much of a powerful character she needs her own she needs her own to mm-hmm. time in the spotlight yeah Our Own
1: dlc <laughs> yeah.
3: she's a rabbit hole right there i'll tell you what hey, oh yeah got a lot going on
4: <laughs> I hope she gets at least mentioned. Like we get some clues of or, or what she's working on. I think or... we
2: probably will. I mean, I don't want to go into spoils, but Game Informer gave a lot of information about the playable spaces. So, from what they've sort of said, I don't know. I don't think we'll see her as a character. I think it would be
1: likely to come up in the lore, though. Yeah.
3: yeah. Super curious so, about the
2: Dreaming City
1: when
3: we get there. Oh yeah. There's a. Lot,
1: I, I, that's. There's a lot there. And, and one thing through Taken King, we can kind of see uh, Aldrin first crashed in on Mars, yep. Yep. if I remember correctly. Yep. And he kind of goes through this quest of trying to find the Kel from the House of mm-hmm. Kings, which later we kind of see him kind of bouncing around planet to planet, leading to Hellas mm-hmm. Basin. That's where we kind of yep. find his ship with, yep. within Warmind. And we kind of read on later on that we see he's kind of uh, almost like he's controlling the scorn. Yes. Rather than finding the House of Kings, he decided to go with these outcasts. Yeah. For the scorn.
2: That's actually what my next video is on. Hmm. I don't know how many spoilers you want from the Game film, hmm. but it's interesting um, that.
1: The, the lore of the
2: Scorn is the really scorn interesting. Are from the House of Kings, from what they've confirmed, which mm. I don't know. I, I feel like that. I, I hope there's an explanation for what happened to the House of Kings, um, but they're from the House of Exile, which is a really good pick because the House of Exile um, have a very interesting
1: take on the Fallen hierarchy and ether system. And you could, because hmm. yeah, they they hate that the Fallen warship machines mm. yeah
2: they're not a big fan of uh servitors the traveler like servitors that mm. produce their ether um and the ether pretty much dictates who becomes powerful and who doesn't
4: do you think this corn need ether since they're like uh so
2: I'm, this is actually one of the questions i address in the next video so pre- preview Ooh. um there are a couple of clues so in the beginning they did right the the to become a baron or to become the size that they are now they did because the original barons were dregs so they use a lot of ether to get to their sort of enormous sizes that they are now there are a couple of clues that they're not using ether or the barons might not be using ether anymore and that also makes sense from previous dlcs um the fallen, when they had Siva, were doing the same thing. The, the fallen are always sort of trying to relieve themselves from this ether dependency, essentially, because one of the things that really sort of blockades them. So, in, in the rise of iron, they made enhanced ether with Siva. And in the arcology mission in D2, they also remember that captain, he was trying to get hold of the generator to make ether. So, there's been precedent. Say again. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, the Our buddy yeah, the the captain, the, the buddy no, captain right? So he was <laughs> after the um, the generators to make ether too. So they've always been trying to sort of get away from this ether dependency, so to speak. And there are a couple of clues in the new game of former that are that are a bit like corrupted ether and other sources of power and on the edge of the void. And I think it would make sense that they are less dependent on ether because they look completely different too. And I think you know it makes sense if their life source changes that they look different Um, and they're no longer as dependent I think their minions probably will be too but I I have a suspicion that maybe the barons are a a bit different
1: so with uh, Prince Aldrin so we kind of talked over what we mostly know Mm -hmm. of him but he's very calculating he's very uh, Mm -hmm. deliberate he's very Mm -hmm. shady and he's very conniving so, of what I've been reading, he lives in the shadow of, of his sister. As much as he loves her, he almost hates her for having all of this power. And he's kind of planning a way to kind of take the place of his sister. Kind of that sword logic in terms of how the Hive hierarchy rules. And he is what we would almost call... Machiavellian so Machiavellian is not a clinical term it's never been referenced in the the DSM but it's part of what's called the dark triad so the dark triad is um, the uh, Machiavellian uh, narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders that's kind of the dark triad of, mm-hmm. of those personality disorders. So I don't know how familiar people are with uh, that concept. Mm-mm. Just explain it right? So Machiave- Machiavellian uh, came from Niccolo Machiavelli, which is a uh, political philosopher and author of what was called The Prince. Uh, so he wrote, A rise ruler ought never to keep faith when by doing so it would be against his interest and a prince a uh, prince never lacks good reasons to break his promise according to Machiavelli honesty and other uh, other virtues are expandable if uh, deceit treachery and force would be more expedient in short we would argue people in positions of power should choose to be, well, Machiavellian, even if that is not the natural leadership style. So they choose not to be, but simply a master manipulator. So someone that's Machiavellian is a master manipulator. That kind of fits Aldrin with his crows, gathering all of the information. I think so. Manipulating people around him with all of the information that he has, because knowledge is power. Yeah, I I think that suits him down to
2: a T. That's a really good way to describe mm-hmm. uh, Prince Aldrin and um well, I mean here's the other thing it it could be like a, a false you know personality as in like on the surface, that's what it seems like, and he probably has some of those traits, but you know they have they've also hinted at that you know we're gonna discover the true motives of Prince Aldrin um and you know they've hinted at like there being a a deeper rationale behind that, so. Um, you know, or maybe, maybe that's more true Machiavellian, where it's like the leadership position requires mm-hmm. you on the surface to be cunning, conniving, uh, and a manipulator, but there's probably likely other motives behind there.
1: Because Machiavellian is uh, temperamentally predisposed to be someone that's very calculating, conniving, and deceptive. Mm-hmm. They're essentially uh, amoral. They use other people as stepping stones to reach their goals. And from a Machiavellian perspective, uh, if someone allows themselves to be used, they probably deserve it. (laughs) So Machiavellians kind of have traits of like a, a narcissist and have traits of psychopathy and antisocial personality disorder. So, it's kind of a mixture of everything, kind of uh, all tied in together. And there's a, 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 a scale, um, but they mentioned that how to spot a high Machiavellian person, they uh, list five different characteristics. So, they function best in jobs or social situations where the rules and boundaries are ambiguous, they're emotionally detached. And a cynical outlook that enables them to control their impulses, and be careful, patient, and opportunists. Their tactics include charm, friendliness, self-disclosure, guilt, and if necessary, pressure. That's kind of not necessarily yeah. Aldrin. That is very confrontational. Yeah. Uh, they prefer to be uh, to use subtle tactics uh, when possible to mask their true intentions. And provide a basis plausible denial if um, they are detected. However, they they can use pressure and threats when necessary. So that's kind of the, the pressure that they're putting on the guardians to fulfill mm. his needs in terms of kind of subverting his perception of either either taking over uh, the uh, the awoken. And the last one is they tend to uh, be preferred by others in competitive situations, so debating, negotiations, but are not preferred as friends, colleagues, or spouses.
2: Yeah. Bit of a lineup. <laughs> I'm manipulating a lineup.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of the, the portrait that we got of Aldrin in D one. Yeah. Kind of that first cutscene when you arrive to, to the Reef and you meet the Queen and the Prince.
2: Yeah. He's very secretive. Um, and obviously challenges Guardians before releasing information. And, you know, when we had to do the Eye of the Gate Lord or whatever to go bring back the Gate Lord's yep. head. <laughs> and he's like, you know. But, you know. the <laughs> Almost sending, yeah, sending us to our death. To death. And... On that note, you know, like, Prince Aldrin like, discovered the Black Garden or knew its whereabouts and all that kind of stuff as well. Black Garden, the Nine as well. The Crows are also know where the Nine are. So he's an interesting dude. Hmm.
4: So, I always felt on... I was uh-huh. going to say on that scene, I always felt like that was rehearsed by the Queen and uh, Aldrin, Just uh, to, like, guide us into, like, own... An- owing them a a favor Mm -hmm. eventually yeah that's a vibe I got back in the day like I don't know yeah it's been
2: a while since I've looked at it
1: (laughs) Mm. so anyone have anything else to to add to uh, Aldrin Sov no Uh, I had something for the Fallen but
3: not specific to Aldrin I just wanted to bring up, um, has anybody seen on Twitter, one of the concept artists, um, Roderick Weiss, if I butcher his last name, I'm sorry. But he's been posting a lot of uh, images of the Fallen race and work he's done in Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. He posted an image of the anatomy of Fallen. Mm -hmm and I never knew that they had like an exoskeleton to them and they were based off of spiders mm-hmm. like the anatomy of a spider I found it so wildly interesting that you know I, he's been posting the past couple days uh, images of uh, and talking briefly about uh, the fallen race and things that he's worked on and just he's adding a little bit more uh, just inside knowledge and things I didn't know about the fallen and you know things related to the Fallen, like how big the trip mines actually are, what the servitors are kind of based on what he when he like created them. You know the textures on them, their anatomy. I thought it was just wildly awesome. So if you get a check, you know, chance to check them out, you know, uh, learn a few things on the Fallen. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in if he worked on the Scorn and Forsaken, and how they differ from the fallen houses and fallen that we've seen previously and to what they are because essentially they're undead essentially
5: Mm -hmm.
3: and i just kind of want to see the difference i'm just super excited
2: yeah it's cool it's really cool the the wallpipers are really nice yeah
1: yeah i saw those wallpapers today and oh they look amazing
2: some of them are great. The Fallen have Dude.
1: amazing designs.
2: I've never seen these sort of high res images before, too. I might have to use some for a thumbnail. <laughs> they look really good. Sometimes it's really hard to find <laughs> images of uh, images of enemies, to be honest.
1: There's some yeah, he really posted good ones. some stuff on Cabal yeah, as I well. Saw
2: that. Yeah, yeah. The thing about I don't know, I find the the Fallen House of Dusk are really left field, though. I feel like they were very underdeveloped as an enemy race, considering they're the main ones in Destiny 2. It's quite strange. Mm-hmm. Seeing them.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping there's some sort of continuation with um, the... Uh, Matt, I know you did a video on it, but there was a mission in Destiny 2 Vanilla during the campaign where you find there's, like, an alternate mm. ending to a... A yeah. mission where you meet a yeah. fallen captain and then they disappear if you don't fire. I'm really hoping something we see something come in the lore or something's kinda tying it into in Forsaken or maybe early yeah. next year.
2: Well do you know do you know the name yeah. of that captain? No, not off the top of my head. I'd have to Forsaken. Cheat. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's like Is it really titled mm-hmm. The Forsaken or something like that? I can't remember his actual name, but you know,
0: like yeah. It, I, I, I don't we're know. All I kind of, I, 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 I kind of think more of the sports center. But yeah, no, I think we're all excited uh, for forsaken. But um, we should probably move on to some gaming yeah. news. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I have down is um, Destiny Two um we're gonna get more resets yes um so starting it was um talked about in the game informer article and reiterated on polygon and GameSpot, a uh, bunch of other gaming sites so um starting with the forsaken um certain activities are gonna get two resets so like uh pvp the crucible um strikes the nightfall uh, the new the new gambit game mode, which I'm really excited about, uh, and the flashpoint locations are going to be reset every four days instead mm-hmm. of every seven. And then the raid and presumptively other features like um, like the offerings from tests and stuff will will stay at the uh, the the normal Tuesday Tuesday reset that we have now. So I, I definitely feel that that is definitely something that uh, a lot of the Persistent players are uh, clamoring for. Yep. Just persistently giving you
1: something to do. Yeah. Exactly. Part
2: of the big push to make it a hobby again.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Which I, I like. I still play Destiny all the time. Just There's no real drive as there was in Destiny 1, in my view. I, I still have a lot of things to do with Warmind. Warmind made a big step forward, in my opinion. But there's forsaken. I think it's going to be bringing a lot of people yeah. back. I hope with the miles, like the
2: milestones or the resets, that they. I really want progression to slow down. Like I, I want legendaries to be hard to get. I want exotics to be extremely hard to get. You know, if you add in, you know, double the resets, essentially, having two a week. You know, you you don't want to sort of get through forsaken and have everything in the first two weeks because you've had four resets already. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I don't want I don't want <laughs> them
1: to go back to Destiny One vanilla where you would trade in a legendary Ingram and get a blue. No. No. that's what happened to me to my my first legendary Ingram in D one was, was I got a so blue. Numb. So,
5: <laughs>
3: yeah, but think of what it turned into. I mean. Pretty much made a meme right there. I mean, so many people yeah. look so fondly back at those moments.
1: It, it was aggravating, but it it brought the chase of, well, I'm just going to do this raid just because I am hoping for these uh, this chest armor to bring me to uh, to mm-hmm. level 30. Yeah. Or hopefully getting this specific exotic because it's so hard to get. Yeah. Oh. The Gallahorn, yeah, yeah. Well, I was talking to Dave tonight. Um, I remember in D one, uh, it took me till April of year one to get my first Gallahorn. I were... only got one. <clears throat> I only got one to drop through the entirety of year one. Year one,
3: you were no one unless you had
1: the Gallahorn.
3: <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't get it into any raids. Nothing. Must have Gallahorn and you know emblem.
4: You, you know what I miss about the one? It was the talking about every single detail of the game. It, like, you know how you turn in a purple and you got a blue. Well, Reddit would Reddit and Twitter would take that and be like, "Well, if you if you have two purples in your in your possession, then you're gonna get a blue out of one of them." You know, like they analyze every single detail, mm-hmm. and sometimes it didn't make sense whatsoever, but. You had was to talking shoot about it the chest and the vault the of ton. glass
1: to get the exotic. Yes. Yeah. You if to if not, you wouldn't get You know,
4: it <laughs> was like a bunch of, like, little, like, uh, uh, superstitions and all this stuff that people was, like, constantly passing around back and forth, like, oh, you got to soon it in was that and, Like, like slot into shacks bowl, to
2: get the bloody, you know. LDR or whatever. (laughs) It's not rocket. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. But that's
1: what made D one fun. It it was that shape. Made it special. It it had those oh my god moments of because like I said, I remember the first time I got my my Galahorn, I screamed with joy because I was chasing that rocket launcher for so long. I couldn't tell you when I got my Warcliff Coil, my sins of the past, because it just. Yeah, it just dropped, and I got yeah. so many of them. Yeah.
2: Well, you know what's going to change with that? That EP shotgun.
1: I love I haven't got gun. it yet. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I was actually one of the lucky ones. I got it on my second try.
2: I've done 30 EPs. Oh, my and God. And I only just got my first, my very first drop on the 30th Escalation Protocol.
1: Because I, I got it with you, Joe. Did not you get it? Uh, it got it the same night that I did it was on the first run
3: and it was the first run but I think you and me did one like the night before or something and then we hooked back up and then got we got into another nine man and yeah mine dropped same time it was the week that the shotgun was the only weapon exclusively dropping out of the chest so it was like raining but dude some people are struggling with it and I think Dylan uh, posted a thing that they were the next patch coming up they're redoing yeah, they the yeah. drop rates yeah. so
1: yeah they're increasing the likelihood of you getting it my f- every my fingers are crossed completion. for you matt
3: because that thing is sweet. i
2: know i've seen it i've seen it in action it looks so, so good well I, I i know another streamer that did 120 escalation protocols before he got the shotgun
1: oh, oh. a bit that rough man yeah, I, I got Gross. I got two. I got one to drop from EP and after that I got one to drop from my uh um milestone from Cade. What? The
2: escalation protocol What
1: my flashpoint. Yeah, because as soon as you get one, oh, it goes okay. into your loop okay. pool.
3: He almost blew my mind for a second. I'm like, can did yeah. you did you just cheat the system?
5: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs>
0: huh awesome Neat. um yeah so it's interesting having that the 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 two resets with yeah, be be we, we, we'll see how that pans out um another game another big loot game that people definitely love is monster hunter world in in august it's coming to pc so i think um a lot of PC players are going to be uh, have fun with that has is, is any, any of you guys yeah. played Monster Hunter World? I've started
1: playing it I haven't really bit. delved too far into it I really
2: enjoyed it I played it pretty heavily when I it remember? first came out I haven't gone back since though um, I really wanted to be out in PC when I first got it because I don't know I'm not a huge fan of how it looks on console It's just a little bit I, I feel it looks a little bit out it's still nice but I I was like, this is going to look amazing on PC. So, uh, but I just don't know if I can can do that grind again.
3: (laughs) I like the evolution of the game, and I love how they're, like, doing the cross... Platform, not cross-platform, but they're bringing some characters from other games into this one, kind of like bosses that you're fighting, and and Devil May Cry as a character that you can play. I saw something. They brought Aloy from from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm really liking that incorporation in it. So, you know what it's like developing into is really exciting. PC. Just like Destiny Two, it's they're gonna get so much more lift in player base, and like Matt was saying, it's it's gonna look a beautiful
1: on PC. because yeah. you could just do so much more with PC. Mm. If you have the yeah. rig for it, you can unlock all of those frames.
2: It will, it will I think, it would be nice. Unlock it, baby. I, I don't think I'll be getting into it, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be watching some people play. I think because I would, I want to see those. Those graphics. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. on the
1: PS4 Pro, they have three oh, graphical that's right. settings yeah, yeah, for the game. They have the, the the 4K, the 1080p enhanced visuals, and I think the other one is the 1080p 60. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Nah, I don't... Huh. Awesome. My, My daughter still more. won't let me play it. <laughs> oh yeah it's right oh yeah <laughs> she won't let you play it you know you know oh that's well right. because she I doesn't want to kill the monsters you remember that now? i remember that yeah. no <laughs> i took her to do the last mission of a warm mind the other day and she was so mad that we had to kill the warm the warm god she's like oh want like, like well he's not Wanted dead he just Zold. he just disappeared into like the I don't know the realm, which is like... Mm, hey, watch,
2: hey, watch this video
0: Worlds.
4: Watch this video.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, another thing I had, it's not gaming news, but uh, we're all nerds, so we like Star Wars. Uh, Billy Dee Williams, the original actor who played uh, Leno Calrissian from the Cloud City, He's confirmed as returning for that same character in Star Wars Episode Nine, coming out in December of uh, 2019. i I thought that was interesting. Famed. I'm really excited for, about that. <laughs> I'm excited too, but it's like, man, they're
3: bringing everybody back back into the Star Wars. Everyone is it?
2: Well, they're playing nostalgia. The yeah, jo- I was gonna say, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. I, know, I feel like Star Wars has lost
1: its shine since like. Oh. They're yeah. just doing. They're doing too much uh, with it right now. Disney's kind yeah. of milking it.
3: Well, the, well, they just spent. Billions that, of that's not. It. I mean, I. That's not surprising. Too.
1: Did you guys watch uh, solo? No, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I
0: haven't seen it yet either.
4: I watched it. It was. I liked it. I mean, it was. It was a uh, fan yeah, service yeah. basically, just good. They Could answer be. a lot of it was It was questions. literally a movie explaining. Because I really liked Rogue One. Of, it
2: was just like, hey, what needs to be explained for Han Solo? How he got his name? How he got his Millennium Falcon? <laughs> Where the dice came from? Like, it's
4: yeah. it literally just that. <laughs> Everything. It was good. So I, it, I, it, it was really a primord card. Right.
3: <laughs> Did anybody see yeah. at auction yeah, last week? I think it was a week or two ago. The uh, Han Solo uh, blaster pistol that he used in, I think, uh, the first. Oh yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. I Went that. for like five hundred and fifty thousand dollars at auction.
2: I thought it'd be more than that. The
3: actual wow. prop
2: gun. I thought it would be Yeah, I
4: expected more.
2: That's 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 in reach of people mortgaging your house to buy it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That was my favorite toy when I was little. I used to have that gun.
1: Because for me, in terms of the uh, Star Wars stories, I really want that Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Oh, yeah. Out of all Wait, of the I stories. Think
0: they, didn't they scrap that for
3: now? No, nah, they postponed yeah, it. They did. They're still developing it, but they're
1: not going to go into production. Yeah, because I really wanted the Obi-Wan movie or the Young Yoda movie. Hmm. See, I don't know. I don't in, think we need to. In my a Star mind, Wars I feel like Star
2: Wars year. is just like Marvel now. It's just like every year there'll be something, and then it's lost its like appeal for me. It's John, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Joe, you want to take us through some uh, community news? Sure. Um,
3: well, first, last
0: weekend, we had our uh, St. Jude's uh, Guardian Con
3: uh, charity stream on Saturday last week and it was a fantastic time. Every block that we had uh, various community members and uh, people streamed and each block had just its own vibe and focus to it and it was just so awesome. I mean, if you get a chance, uh, we just actually uh, Sentinel just exported all the blocks to YouTube, so we don't lose anything from Twitch. Uh, so you can check those blocks out. Some of them are really good. Uh, Cobb did a art
0: one uh, with his daughter, you know, to help. Oh, one, what a fantastic! What a fantastic block! It, it, in it wasn't just an art block with his daughter it was like a a, uh, a draw along so he encouraged viewers to you know grab a pen and paper and he showed everyone how to do, do the proportions and draw them absolutely people were
3: posting pictures in various discords that i'm in just like oh thanks Cobb, you know and just like showing their picture like all over the place and it was like oh my god People really got something out of this and like really engaged with it. And I know it meant a lot to them. Like, and we ended up raising a total uh, with uh, $2,010 with a huge shout out to uh, Emerald Nips and um, Potato Thumbs for pushing us over that $2,000 mark last night Uh, while all the guys were on uh, guest spotting on Potato Thumbs podcast. That's just phenomenal. I mean, and that fund oh, went so awesome. right into mm-hmm. the St. Jude's Guardian Con Fund, which we've already, as all the communities combined, you know, putting forth effort into that uh, charity, have already broke $1.5 Well, th- And
0: that's, that's not the first time Admiral Nibbs has done that um, for one of our streams, Joe. When we did our veterans stream last year, for um, Stack Up, he- Health for Heroes UK, and Vets mm-hmm. Canada, he did the he did the same thing, uh, but it was during the stream, the last block when um, I remember the Dad that. Tales podcast and Admiral Nibs. Uh, it, it was a lot of money. He, he he donated a bunch and put us over a mark. And uh, JC Jesse from Dad Tales said, "You know, hey, give me your Skype. You you're going to come on an episode, which is cool." Mm-hmm. Um, I just. Uh, Guys over potato thumbs and eyebrow nibs and fluffy fingers, just awesome, awesome people. Yep, they're which they're which recurring. which is a which is a recurring theme in the Destiny community. Mm. Yeah, awesome people.
1: Yep. Yeah, because me, Sentinel, and Dave were on their episode last night that just came out today. No, I got ragged and on. Yep. Yeah, you got ragged on. So yep. Yep. tell us why you weren't on that episode, Joe. <laughs> You'll just have to listen to the episode
0: he was busy he was busy saving his average that's right it was
3: my wedding anniversary yesterday and it dawned on me just before dinner time
4: he he almost lost his average jewels (laughs) this is true this is true
3: and i wanted to keep them so i made the sacrifice so I couldn't make it onto the show, but I'm so glad you guys had fun and everything. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's just amazing what they did, you know. So we raised uh, two thousand ten dollars with our charity stream last week. That goes right into the Guardian Con St Jude's fund, and uh, actually coming up very shortly, uh, Matt. I don't know if you've seen anything yet. We've been kind of quiet talking about it briefly here and there, but uh, we're doing a uh, class versus class uh, kind of grudge match that is going to go to. Uh, supporting the trevor project uh and what they do in all the communities so it's going to be a uh, shorter kind of mini stream uh it's going to take place on july uh 21st after guardian con uh so it's going to be titans hunters and warlocks all going up against each other and oh, cool. a also hole. known
0: as uh, also known as titans and everybody else. that's right we're going to put
3: that <laughs> on the shirt. they are
1: Titans so and me and dave else. are the resident warlocks dave and uh, not dave but uh, sentinel and joe are the titans so uh, matt what is your class well pc
2: is on warlock
1: the good choice
2: <laughs> here's the thing i'm making a, a class for everything because the new supers look too dope to miss out on so by the time forsaken rolls Dead. around oh yes. have one
0: of everything Oh
1: yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I really
3: want to see that warlock um, one. That one looks neat. Yeah. But you know what? It looks all the other classes get all the love, and the Titans we just got to just man up and just use what we got. You know.
0: Well, they're busy off reading books and oh, poor pr- pr- prancing through the prairie. <laughs> Somebody's got to do the work. <laughs> Fantastic, Titans. but
3: we got that coming up. Uh, it's gonna be you know a lot of love and everything. Just all for fun and uh that's going to go to support the trevor project and uh it's going to be a little little you know mini stream cool. you know just to bring some awareness to that you know to that community and what they do in all of our communities and how important it is and uh that's about it
0: for uh, community news awesome awesome um well let's do our uh, stream of the week it's been a couple weeks since we did that um there's a guy that uh, you know I've followed for a couple of years. Awesome guy. That that same um, veteran stream from last year. Um, he and uh, Matt and Log Power Slave, uh, the three hosts from the Destiny Down Under podcast, um, streamed. They they did a stream block for it, which was awesome. Um, guy, his name is uh, on Twitter. He's at Real Time Sloth. Um, you, you can catch him on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash Realtime Sloth. He's an awesome dude, um, hilarious. Uh, you catch him playing Destiny 2, Stated of Decay 2, you catch him playing Ark, Witcher 3, Escape from Tarkov, Division. He plays a bunch of stuff, but, yeah, but definitely a big uh, Destiny player. Uh, he's an Australian Army uh, veteran as well. Um, it just guy's got a heart of gold super awesome guy um so if you get a chance check him out twitch.tv slash real time thing you need to know
2: about sloth is um you probably like him because if you hate him on the destiny down under podcast he's completely different when he streams (laughs) so you probably like him streaming if you don't like when he's streaming you probably like (laughs) it like because he's literally a sloth because he basically streams yeah. He streams the Australian night, which is you know the US day, and we do our podcast mm-hmm. in the morning in Australia. So he's either hasn't gone to bed yet, or has only slept for half an hour, or is literally just well not woken up basically. So his personality is completely polar between the DDU and uh, and his Twitch streams. So yeah, I can I can vouch for that.
0: I would n- I w- I will never hire you to be my PR rep, Matt. Ever.
4: I just
2: saw it a win-win man. You gotta watch
4: some. I
0: love him. He's he's super funny. No, it's he's such a good dude. Awesome guy. I highly suggest anyone, uh, especially here, if you're here in the U.S. Like uh, Matt just yeah. said, you know, he's streaming Australian yeah. night, hour, day. So if you got a lunch break, you got a you know fifteen minutes for a little break uh, during your work day yeah. or between classes or whatever. You know, check him out twitch.tv/slash time sloth. Um, we're gonna start wrapping up, um, Matt. Where can we find? Wh- where can people find you? Where can they find your videos? And where can they catch the uh, Destiny yeah. Down Under? Uh,
2: so on YouTube. Mylin games plug that into youtube and all come up myelin games and um same on twitter Mylin games on twitter as well at myelin games and destiny down under is just that as it's spelt on twitch and i don't know if it's got underscores in it on <laughs> ddu underscore podcast <laughs> on on twitter
0: awesome um and one of the quick question. for people that are maybe have an issue kind of grasping the lore or have a slight interest in getting into the lore um what, what's what's your suggestion for kind of dipping your toe into the water
2: i don't have it like say so it, it's like it's it's <laughs> such a hard uh, uh, look, I think the easy way is to watch some videos, right? Self-promo. Like, I think mm. l- let someone do all the work first, right? <laughs> uh, watch a video mm. and then maybe read a Reddit post. And then, to be honest, I think if you if you want to experience it, like discovering it for yourself, Ishtar Collective is the website that I would use. Yeah. Uh, it's what I use to research everything. Mm. It's got categories and I would I would go to Ishtar Collective, pick a category and start reading. That's probably the best way at this stage to, to get into awesome. it.
1: Because I know awesome. your videos, uh, Byte's videos are, are just amazing. And right before D two Bife put out the kind of one hour and a, one and a half hour video, yeah. kind of yeah, recollecting good, the yeah, entire yeah. D one lore. That's
2: like okay. So here's a little backstory on that, right? So obviously. Bythe and I think very similarly, or every sort of content creator is going to think very similarly. Like D2 is coming up, new population, new people, people have left. Of course, like a recap video is what's needed, right? I decided to spend three months making the comic book as a recap video. And he did that, and I was like, you know, that did well, but not 2.1 million well. And I was like, God damn it, I could have spent three months making, you know, the hour-long, you know, just lore recap, which, you know, may have have done a bit better. I spent all this money making a comic book that, you know, was outperformed. (laughs) Hindsight.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you I'll so tell you much. I 2020. I really do love the uh tweet you put out earlier this uh week or late last week of uh the, doing the lore with uh Bife, uh the uh spin foil theories on lore and this and that. I think it was you you posted a picture of you guys oh, at so Guardian kind uh,
2: Bife's eyes rolling. Uh, in the I can't remember head. what I said awesome to him but it was really, it was a, I can't believe someone called it was that hilarious is uh astonishing and it's funny I that give him fantastic. so much shit for that photo, just all the time
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so perfectly timed nice. so good right. um, but yeah that kind of wraps us up um, thank you all for joining the project this week you can catch us on twitter twitch um, instagram uh, just at saint14project you can email us saint14project.gmail.com we have a open Discord uh, with a great community, mental health resources on there. There's a Destiny Clan. Um, that, the link to that Discord is just pinned to our Twitter. Um, you can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and I, hopefully soon on Google Play, where I think we're working on that right now. Um, also, right now, we as a thank you for the generous donations from our Stream for St. Jude's and um, Guardian Con. We got these ten awesome uh, Saint 14 Project pins um, that Joe had made, and we we got an extra ten of them, and we want to give them away. So if you go on our Twitter, twitter.com/saint14project, um, you, you you'll find a tweet on there, and it shows a picture of them. Just um reply to it with the hashtag that uh, i think it's saint 14 pin and just you know, tell us one thing you do for your mental health on a daily basis um uh, and we're gonna give 10 of them uh, randomly away um i think we'll um we'll probably pick those or randomly pick them uh, by the end of this weekend or something like that so um go on there take a look but um yeah that kind of wraps us up uh dave where can people find you on the internet
4: you can find me as Hatchy Dave anywhere on the internet, Twitter, uh, PlayStation Network. I've been using Instagram a lot again lately, so you can mm-hmm. look me up there. And uh, MySpace is under construction, but you can <laughs> go find me on plentyoffish.com right now. Always there.
0: <laughs> Dr. Goku, where can people find you? Uh,
1: they can find me pretty much...
4: Uh, everywhere
1: uh, at the same handle, uh, SSJ5Goku28 on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and on our Discord. In onlyfarmers.com? No, no, not not it's that.
3: <laughs> Joe, where can
0: people find you?
3: Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Joe 227 and um, you can find some community-focused articles of mine on uh, DestinyTracker.com, and uh, I'll be releasing a few
0: this week. I'm I'm so glad you stopped forcing me to, like, make you talk about that because you write some good articles. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I never think of talking about it. Right. Uh, and I'm that. You can catch me on... Uh, uh, twitter at sentinel dad extra d on the end everywhere else just sentinel dad uh, instagram twitch uh, twitch.tv slash sentinel dad um psn just about everywhere um but anyways uh, thank you all for joining the project this week and uh matt thank, thank you, you for so having me on. yeah thank you um, so
4: much yeah. it was uh, an honor having you man
0: mm-hmm. yeah man but um we will see you all later <laughs> All right
4: night okay. bye bye